Welcome to the Assembling Inclusion podcast. On this show, we feature different programs, individuals, and initiatives focused on being more inclusive of individual needs. We invite you to learn right alongside us. If you want some additional resources or access to our courses, please visit our website or follow us on social media. But for right now, let's get right to the episode. Coming up next on the Assembly Inclusion Podcast. I've got a really energetic, passionate group that I work with. And let me tell you, they lead me. They tell me what they want to do. And I just support them through the process and do whatever I need to do. But they are totally in control of things that are happening. It's what they want to do. When I think about self-advocacy, I often think back to my students I loved each and every time they spoke up and told the teacher exactly what they felt they needed to be successful. I saw firsthand how powerful self-advocacy can be through my middle schoolers, which is why I'm so excited to be talking to an individual today who also sees the value in these types of experiences. Today I'm talking to Deetra Mitchell from Salute in Ohio. We talk about the different aspects of Salute's programming, including how individuals with disabilities have used self-advocacy to work with businesses and gain employment, change legislation and policy, and make a difference in their communities. So let's dive right into our conversation. Hello, and welcome back to the Assembly and Inclusion podcast. Today, we're talking with Deetra Mitchell from Salute, which stands for Self-Advocacy Lucas Toledo from Lucas County. She is the Self-Advocate Community Inclusion Specialist for the Lucas County Board of Developmental Disabilities. And Deetra, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So just to start us off, can you explain what the Salute group is for our listeners and what its mission is? The Salute Advocacy Group is comprised of about 25 individuals that have developmental disabilities and that are served here at our Lucas County Board. The actual goals of the group are to promote self-advocacy and create leadership roles in the community for people with disabilities, and also as well as connect with different businesses for the purposes of employment. That's great. So you had mentioned that self-advocacy is one of the primary goals. And I noticed on your website that you've got like a four-step process listed for how you develop that self-advocacy. So would you be able to provide examples of like the different types of self-advocacy work that Salute is currently doing? We actually have decided that it was good to start spreading our message to a younger group. So currently they're training transitional youth, which are school-age youth to become up and coming advocates. So teaching them how to say in your IEP, what you want at school or what you need or what career you wanna go into after you graduate, what do you want your life to look like? We're starting those conversations earlier and training them on how to do it. So we piloted our first group this summer and it is going really, really well. And this is something that we're looking to continue And we have four main fundamental steps that we base our training on, and that's knowing yourself. You know, what is it that I like? What is it that I want to do? How do I feel about this? Not just being driven by what everybody else wants for you, but what you want for you. Communicating, you know, it's okay to be an advocate for yourself. It's okay to speak up and say, no, I don't like this, or I'm not comfortable with this. Let's try something else understanding that they have rights. 
And along with those rights, there's also responsibilities. So knowing that, yeah, I have rights, but other people have rights and my rights come with responsibilities that I have to uphold as a citizen as well. And then we use the problem solving strategy called the spiral model, which was developed out of Ohio Self-Determination, which is OSDA. And it's a five-step process that you can pretty much apply to any problem to work through it. And it just gives them that mindset of, okay, how do I problem solve? First step, knowing what the problem is. Does it affect anybody else besides you? Get all the information. We got to have all the facts. Think of ways and solutions and pick the one that you feel will work best for you. And five is like Nike, just do it. Make the decision and just do it. So we approach things from that mindset and it seems to be very, very helpful in making decisions and helping them to understand the decision-making process. I love the concrete steps. When you were talking about the program going into the younger age group to get them earlier, that like really resonated with me as a former special education teacher. I was in middle school. So like I was trying to get them to that point by the time they got to high school, like this is in your IEP. If, if, if they're telling you, you can't have it, you need to tell them like, no, it's in my IEP. I am getting that service. I connected with that a lot because that's something that I think is so powerful. And then they can go out into the world and start to have those self-advocacy skills already kind of built in. But just having those conversations, that's really great that you're starting to get into the schools as well to kind of get that started a little bit earlier. Yes. And then when they reach adult age, you know, it's not a new process to them. So they're used to advocating and making decisions for themselves. They already have that foundation. (laughs) Absolutely. And what young people don't want to make decisions for their own life. (laughs) Exactly. I think that was the one thing my students, they were always like, you mean I can say like, I want this modification because that helps me. And I'm like, yeah, you have every right to say that in a meeting. You could definitely say this works, this doesn't work. So they... But making decisions, definitely something that young people always want to have a say in. So that's that's really great that that's happening. So recently I heard that there was an eight-week workshop model about storytelling that was done with the University of Toledo. Can you just tell me a little bit about that program and what participants were able to learn from that experience? We partnered with the University of Toledo, the professor of disability studies, And we worked with the individuals in the salute group, about eight individuals did a storytelling session. And what it consisted of was eight weeks in learning how to speak and how to tell their story to advocate for themselves. And the theme of it was when you have overcame something that was difficult. So at the very beginning, it was truly a struggle. Some of our Gals and guys weren't used to speaking in front of people. They were nervous. They were uncomfortable, but it really helped them build confidence and self-esteem by doing the workshop. They were able to perform it actually at our local library. And we've actually been invited to come to the University of Toledo and do a storytelling session this fall. So we're excited to get going on that as well. The public speaking is hugely beneficial as it is, but then having the ability to tell their own story and advocate for themselves and their own experiences, I can see how that's something that would be, that'd be really powerful. So that kind of leads into the leadership component that you had mentioned. So your website lists that there's a commitment to serving and leading in community organizations. So how have some of the Salute members become leaders within their communities? One of our individuals by the name of Nathan, he 
actually is now one of the Lucas County board members. And this was a huge thing for us because there has never been a person with dis developmental disabilities on the board. We're really passionate about having them at the table and nothing about them without them. That's truly important. So having somebody voice at the table for decision-making of people with disabilities is so important, especially at the level that he's able to advocate. Oh, that's really wonderful that he was able to assume a position on that board. That's really, that's fantastic to hear. It's really a testament to how well the, the program, I guess, is preparing them to assume those leadership roles as well. Another component that you had mentioned was working with businesses for the purposes of employment. And also there was, I thought on your website, there's something about like educating as well, like educating businesses. What are some examples of that? So we actually do training. So we do trainings for businesses. We actually do trainings for newly oncoming advocates to teach them about their skills and attributes that they offer in the community and what employment looks like and how to be a self-advocate in the employment. And we go out and speak to businesses and tell them how awesome it would be for them to have an individual with a disability working for their company because they can truly be an asset and a value to their organization and they want to work. We also advocate too at the legislative level. We write letters to our local congressmen. We go to the state house in Columbus every year and advocate on issues for Disability Awareness Month. We actually do panel discussions at our Ohio Self-Determination Advocacy yearly conferences. So we are heavily involved in getting our message out there. I love the fact that not only, like you had said, for self-advocacy for employment related things, but then on top of it, the legislative piece is, is huge. And that's something that I can see how that would be really beneficial to continuously have those opportunities to go there and speak and kind of promote your message, like you had said. I was looking through like the Lucas County Board of Development and Disability social media accounts, and I saw that Flute typically has like monthly meetings, and I'm assuming that's where kind of everybody comes together. What types of discussions typically occur at those meetings? Are you preparing for like some of your initiatives that you're doing, or is it just like general getting together and discussing different issues? What do those meetings typically look like? Well, it's actually ran by our salute officers. We have a president, a vice president, a sergeant at arms, a secretary, and they set the tone for the meeting. We talk about issues that are affecting our members, as well as invite community leaders into our groups to speak on topics that they're passionate about. So we've had representatives from Congress. We've had our mayor coming up. We've had our assistance dogs come in, people to speak about the benefits of what they can offer and more independence. We've just had a variety of different opportunities to have people come in. The commissioner of businesses have come in and speak with us about different opportunities and jobs and what it looks like now during the pandemic and after the pandemic. So just whatever they're passionate about, we attack it head on and get those right people at the table to have those conversations. That seems like a great way to kick off that kind of partnership and collaboration to bring those people into those meetings to kind of sit down and talk with the board and the members and things like that. I also noticed, and you had mentioned this before, that you participate in the Developmental Disability Awareness and Advocacy Day. Yeah. I saw there was an event 
I think it was this past year. And I apologize if it wasn't this year. I was looking through all of the social media just to kind of see all, all the incredible work that was being done. But there was a local event with law enforcement, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. We have a great collaboration with law enforcement. We actually meet quarterly with them on Zoom via Cops and Conversations. And that's just to discuss any issues that we're having about feeling uncomfortable regarding safety in our communities, what's going on with crime. But we've been able to develop a video with local law enforcement that shows safe interactions with law enforcement when it comes to people with developmental disabilities. And we actually did a Be Safe training where some of our salute officers got certified and training others in how to be safe in police interactions, meaning, you know, listen to them. If you have a disability, we're able to produce disability cards, explaining to the officers, hey, I have a disability. So if I don't look at you or if I feel uncomfortable, it's not because I'm doing anything wrong. It's just that this is how my disability affects me. And I think that this was very beneficial for the officers. They came in and did a whole day with us and took that training. And most of them, it, pretty much all of them, it was volunteering that they did that. And it was just an awesome time. And it had gave them a better understanding of people with developmental disabilities and some of the struggles that they have. I could definitely see how that would be something that would be beneficial for everybody involved, really. Because I think that's something that I often think about. And I know it's a very common issue is individuals with disabilities interacting with law enforcement. So the fact that they were able to get that training to see like, this is what it would look like. This is how you can interact with someone. And on top of it, the individual can advocate and say, this is something that I need to feel safe. I think that's that seems to be a really great partnership. I wish more communities would do that kind of bridge building between the two parties. I agree. And it's just training that we all can use because it's just so practical. And like I said, it really empowered our individuals to feel more comfortable around the officers and they explain their equipment and what everything's for. It was just a really hands-on experience to see them as individuals outside of just doing their jobs, but to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, talk with them, it was pretty awesome. I would love to for us to be able to do another one of those again, which we plan to because we have certified trainers now. That's perfect. Now they can lead the training and facilitate that conversation. So just to kind of back up, the program started back in 2017, correct? Yes, actually it did. It came into place in 2017 where a group of our individuals went through Project STIR, which is through Ohio Self-Determination Advocacy and got trained and certified in being a advocacy instructor. And we continue to follow OSDA through their monthly meetings and events that they have as well, just to stay on top of what's going on and just to keep us fresh. And in 2017, I wasn't a part of the group. So I actually came on in March of last year. So this March makes one year. However, I'm not unfamiliar to the group because I have been around them and worked indirectly with them. Now, the person that previously held the position is no longer with us. So I took over for her and I am just loving it and loving to see all the amazing things that they're doing and how much growth that has happened. Speaking of the growth, I know you officially came into your role a year ago, but 
How have you seen the program grow and evolve since it started back in 2017? Oh, hugely, because during COVID, you know, that kind of closed us in for a little bit. But I mean, when we got back in person, we hit the ground running. We were able to get out and connect with the Humane Society, the Toledo Food Bank, and do some volunteer work and help them out, especially with everybody going through hardships with having assistance from staff during this time. We were able to be a part of the Toledo Zoo, being a part of helping make decisions for how they can become more accessible for people in wheelchairs and use the space better. So it's been pretty awesome, some of the things that we've been able to be a part of in a short amount of time. That's a lot of different things that are happening within the organization. I think that was one of the things that really stuck out to me when I was looking into it initially. I was like, wow, there's a lot of really different, but they all kind of have the same common goal, but there's a lot of different areas. So it's really amazing that so many things are able to be accomplished. I've got a really energetic, passionate group that I work with. And let me tell you, they lead me. They tell me what they want to do and I just support them through the process and do whatever I need to do, but they are totally in control of things that are happening. It's what they want to do. It really comes full circle with the whole mission of self-advocacy to be able to say like, this is what I want to do. And this is how I want to go about achieving that goal. So my last question is really what, and this is probably a difficult question to answer because there's so many different components of salute, but what do you think has been the biggest success so far of the organization? One huge success is having an individual with a disability on our board. And another one is having a proclamation from the city of Toledo, recognizing our city as a disability first. So we have a proclamation and we're pretty excited about that. They were able to get that done as well as a whole agency, but Salute played a huge role in advocating for that. So just making sure that they get out there and have their voices heard, not only just in those meetings, but even at the state, federal, local level of, hey, we got to have these people in place listening to us because, you know, we don't like what's going on or we like this and we want to keep that. We're also strong members of the group Cater, which is our transportation advocacy that we do around transportation. And it's short for community advocates for transportation rights because transportation here in Toledo was limited and it didn't go in certain areas. Salute was huge in advocating for that and speaking on the news about it and being at those panel forums and having conversations. And as a result, we were able to get issue 12 passed, which means that our public transit system will go into the suburban areas instead of just the city because before it didn't go to the surrounding areas. And that affected a lot of our people that used the service hugely because they were limited to, if they used their transportation for Sunday service, they couldn't use it. We didn't have transportation on Sundays. If they were in the surrounding areas, they couldn't get to see their friends or to events they wanted to get to. And I think it really forced people that don't, depend on transportation to look outside of their box and say, wow, I never thought of it like that. Those are amazing accomplishments. I didn't know about the proclamation and I didn't know about 
the transportation. That's really incredible that, that the individuals in the organization were really able to open people's eyes to what they needed and help with that issue. The proclamation you said is disability first. So that means that Toledo focuses on ensuring that people with disabilities are represented in their decisions. Is that what the proclamation entails? Yes, it is. And it has access. So it's more like the physical structures. There's been a lot of sidewalks put in our areas where we didn't have them, crosswalks, and just making sure that people with disabilities are considered when decisions are made about structural planning and, you know, just environmental and physical all the way around. And it's nice that they're able to have some say-so because it's their community as well. Exactly. That is very true. Well, I want to thank you, Deetra, for telling us all about Salute and all about the incredible work that is being done with the organization. I'm going to make sure to link the website in the show notes so that people can kind of take a look and the social media channels as well so everybody can keep updated on all the amazing things that are happening. But thank you so much for telling us all about everything that's been going on and all the wonderful self-advocacy and leadership and legislation work that's being done by the organization. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Assembling Inclusion podcast. I hope the information in this episode taught you something new, gave you a new idea, or showcased a new perspective. If you liked the episode, feel free to leave us a review or comment. If you have a recommendation for an individual or an organization who would make a great guest, you can message us on Twitter or Instagram or send us an email at assemblinginclusion at gmail.com. See you next time.